Hello, welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Spotlight series, the series that highlights the people, the companies, and the technologies coming together to shape the future of retail. I am one of your hosts, Ann Mazenga. And I'm Chris Walton. And today, Chris and I, we're going to go deep on what we believe is one of the most important areas of investment for retailers as we head into 2024, and that is loyalty. So please join us in welcoming Tim Mason, CEO of Eagle Eye, to the program. Tim, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks very much for having me on. Yeah, Tim, I'm excited. So first, before we get started, I got to ask you that that extensive uh, bookshelf in the background, like how many of those books have you actually read? Quite a lot of them. I imagine so. And, and I was thinking, you know, I, I studied literature at university, but and I've read a bit, but I started really reading quite a lot, no more than 10 years ago. And this is the collection that you put together in that that amount of time. So yeah. it's, it, I, 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 I sort of look at it and think, I'm jolly lucky I didn't start 40 years ago. Otherwise, I'd need to buy a bigger house. Yeah, right. Yeah, that for those listening on the audio version, he's got like 100 books behind him. And so, yes, you are a voracious reader. I can take that, my friend. And someone that started the same uh, journey myself about 10 years ago as well. It's cool to see. So, all right, well, let's get to it. Um, you know, we always start these conversations with a little bit about your background and and yours is especially interesting. And I can tell you're pretty cerebral in how you approach things in general, just from talking to you before we got on this podcast. And so first and foremost, you were one of the, uh, you were in basically in charge of or a key cog in instilling one of the most successful loyalty programs in retail history at Tesco. So share with us briefly your journey and at Tesco, what you did and how you came to be the CEO, CEO of Eagle Eye. Well, uh, right. What's the short version of this? Yeah, thing? right. Uh, Long question. So I joined Unilever. I, I decided that, that marketing was what I wanted to do. I was better at coloring in than adding up. And so I decided that marketing was what I wanted to do. I joined Unilever as marketing trainee. After three years, I joined Tesco because I thought that this, to be honest, and it is absolutely true, I thought that this business that was a, a bit flaky and a bit shabby actually had the, um, the, 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 the attributes to be a really successful business, but it just needed to sort its marketing out, said he aged 22 or 23 or whatever it was. <laughs> right. And I joined, and, and by, by absolute luck, I joined working for a guy called Terry Leahy, who became Sir Terry Leahy. He okay. became the CEO of Tesco. I became the deputy CEO of Tesco. We, we went through the organization basically together. Um, you know that um, you hum it and I'll play it. He used to hum it and I would play it. And that was basically our, our sort of our role over pretty much 30 years, I guess. Wow. And so Club Card was his idea. Okay. He was a management trainee at the co-op in Manchester and the co-op started out and still exists to some extent. The co-op dividend, it was, you know, you got your divvy check from the, the co-op, co which was like a profit share. Mm -hmm. And um, he wanted to explore what the modern version of that was for grocery. We recognized that computing was getting to the point where a mag stripe and the cost of storing data was getting to the point where you could capture data. And so we explored this idea of Club Card 
and we ended up launching it as part of a customer-led um, series of, of events which came together under an Every Little Help strap line. And it, it was incredibly successful. I mean, it, uh, you know, it took Tesco, when, when we joined Tesco, it had about a 12% market share. When we left, it had about a 33% market share. Wow. So, okay. What year was that? When did that all start? Like, what, what were those first started meetings like? Like, are you like, how are we going to do this? We're going to put this on a credit in 19, card? Started in 1980-81. Club card was 1995. And I left in 2012. 1995. So 1995 is when I got. So basically, I, I, I sort of described my career as being PC and post C. So pre-club card and post-club card. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, right. And um, so for a long time, you know, I've been, you know, when, when you are a mass marketer, you sort of look over the, the fence at people who are doing direct marketing and getting the data that direct, in, the, in, in my day, originally, that was direct mail. Right, but, direct you know, mail. Their, their data was so much better than ours. Mm-hmm measuring promotions, measuring investment, re- measuring return on investment. All right. of that was very possible and very easy to do and incredibly difficult to do and, to be honest, subjective in retail. Um, and it was only by the introduction of the, the loyalty data where you started to get customer data to go alongside your product sales and your branch sales and your departmental sales suddenly you had this other lens of looking at the business which was through the eyes of the customer and that completely changed the way we ran the business we wanted to be a customer-centered business and you know in order to be a customer-centered business you have to have customer data mm-hmm. uh, and um, I can talk later on if you're interested I, mean, I can talk about ways in which I think that does change the way in which you run the business but um, most retailers are run, you know, know what their top 10 stores are. They know what their fastest selling items are. They know what their fastest growing departments are, but they don't know very much about the customer data. No, they definitely do not. They definitely do not. So I'm curious, I'm curious too. So when you mentioned, you know, the pivot you had about the data back at that time then is... Is all the evolution that we've seen around digital commerce kind of the second wave of that from a data flow standpoint in your mind? Yeah, I think so. I mean, okay. we, in, in my career, I, I launched Tesco Clubcard and Tesco.com at mm. pretty much the same time, in the same year. And it was interesting because clearly Tesco.com was about individual customers, individual sets of customer data. You know, you were suddenly going into that world through the commercial process. Mm-hmm. And in parallel, over, over here on the store side, you were starting to get the same sort of data, but getting it by a different means. So I went on this sort of twin track journey uh, for the latter half of the 90s, I suppose, in terms of learning about how you run businesses uh in, in this way. But I think it well, I think digital, you know, improvements in computing, improvements in data storage, improvements in analytics, and then improvements in the ability to communicate have all all mean that 
really now I, I, I'm I'm almost I almost believe it's not optional now. I just think you have to do it. Um, yeah. You know, you, you, everybody can know who their customers are, and everybody can communicate with with them nearly in real time, depending upon your setup and everything else. And if you can, you should. I'd love for you to explain for the listeners just a little bit about Eagle Eye and your role there now too. What what does Eagle Eye do and how are you helping retailers get this visibility? Roughly 10 years ago, Terry Lee, he had left Tesco and he okay. invested in a business called Eagle Eye. Mm-hmm. And the reason that he invested in it was because he was interested in technology and he was interested in data. And he saw that basically what Eagle Eye was doing was seeking to modernize what we'd been doing for the previous 20 years with Club Card. Oh, cool. So he saw this as being a great opportunity yeah. and a great next step. He then asked me to have a look at it and I got involved and sort of had a look and nothing much happened. And then I went plural and they asked me if I would become chairman. So I became chairman of Eagle Eye and then uh, the board of Eagle Eye decided that they wanted to get a new new chief executive officer. And so I said, I tell you what, I've been here for six months now. I really like the business. Why don't I become the chief executive officer and we'll appoint another chairman? And that's what we decided to do. The, the concern of the board was that Eagle Eye was a much smaller business than businesses I was used to working in. You know, mm, it's a, mm-hmm. it was about 10 million pounds so 12 million dollars worth of sales and um you know was it big enough etc and um i think the the thing about scale is that it's basically just an extra zero or two um that that actually businesses you know it doesn't matter how many zeros they've got many of the issues are the same. And actually, if you have less zeros, you have less resources right. to sort the problems out with than if you've got a lot of zeros. So um, so that's what we did. So I became CEO in about 2016. And ever since then, we've been um, working on creating a loyalty platform. So we're, we're a loyalty master. You can We can help you create the scheme which enables people to earn and burn points or currency. And we're very, very flexible about how you do that. So we can basically accommodate your strategy the way that you want to do it. And then, so now quite a lot of people can do that. So that's, you know, good, but it's not that clever. The thing that's really clever that we do from there is personalized promotions. And so what we enable you to do, the way to think about us is we're a digital postman for the AI age. Hmm. So the thing okay. about, you know, if you come right up to date, the thing about AI is it genuinely enables personalized insight and working out what is the next best offer for Chris versus the next best offer for Anne down to very, very granular levels of detail. The trouble is most marketing stacks then say, well, that's fine, but we can't send that many offers out. And we can't track them and we can't report them. Right. And, you know, so then you then you have to say, okay, so we've got all this AI data. Now I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to segment it and put it back into a right. cell of half a million or, or, or a million or whatever mm-hmm. it is. 
and that's useless. So where we come in as Eagle Eye is we we are that sophisticated digital postman that enables the personalization at real time with sufficient speed, scale and security so that, you know, what enterprise level retailers don't go, oh, you're going to break my paws. Oh, <laughs> this is, a, you know, right. and all those right. other things that as retailers we know and understand. Um, so that's what we do. And then we do some other stuff as well. We have a we have a continuity promotions business and at NRF. We're, we're actually launching um, an AI based analytics business as well. So, Tim, are you able to do this then for retailers, I assume, given your background, but are you able to do this for them online and offline within yeah. this platform? OK, can you talk a yeah, little completely. bit more about yeah, that? I mean, our, our you know, our, it's I think that Omnichannel is um, one of the potentially one of the world's ugliest words. And, yes, but, but, we agree and, with that. We agree with that. But, yeah, but we're holding strong to it. Yes, we but, agree with that. Uh, but it, but it, it delights me as the author of a book called Omnichannel Retail yes. to come on a to come on a TV uh, on a, on a, a, a show called Omnitalk Retail. Yes, I feel I'm amongst friends. So no, absolutely. <clears throat> you know, I, I think and and the uh, COVID and the lockdown and the, the development of e-commerce only accelerated this. The consumer has a, if you're lucky, the consumer has a relationship with your brand mm -hmm. and you hold somewhere in their, in their brain, your brand holds a tiny space. It only holds one space. It doesn't hold two spaces or, you know, it, it, yes. you stand for a very limited number of things and you have to stand for that in all your guises. So, uh, otherwise, they just say, look, this is too difficult. I, you know, there is no such thing as I love them in the stores, but I hate them online. I mean, it's just not going right. to work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense, Tim. And I, I guess I'm curious, too, how you are helping them, helping them being retailers really get over the hurdle. Like you mentioned point of sale integrations being a challenge for them, especially the larger enterprise retailers. You spend time at Tesco, so I'm I'm sure you're very familiar with some of the challenges that they're bringing up, but how is Eagle Eye kind of uniquely helping your retail partners kind of overcome that, those? Well, those I think um, our, our sort of reason for being is, is this ability to really personalize at scale and at speed. Um, the way that you do that is you do that through a point of sale integration and you do it by creating this digital postman platform, you know, that, that's moving the data around and you put that at the center of the marketing stack. So the only reason that we exist, the only reason that we're pushing towards $50 million of sales when we were 10 and we were on our way to 100 and everything else is because what we are very good at is integrating marketing stacks and integrating to point of sale okay very conscious that enterprise retailers all have their own version right you know even even if it's called ncr everybody's yeah. every major retailer's ncr deployment is different from from the next one and right. we have to be able to accommodate that we have to be able to work with that because you know, and that 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 in a way is why we are successful, because 
we're, we're a very good technology business, but we do intimately understand retail. And it is not our job to tell retailers how to do their marketing. Our job is to solve the bar- the technical barriers that get in the way from them executing their marketing plans. That's that's an awesome point. I want to put a pin in that too, Anne, too, if we can, because I mm-hmm. remember from our store, the future work, the point of sale was the most integral system that we had to figure out how to make it adapt to what we wanted to do. And I can remember when we had a chance to sit down with John Furner at Grocery Shop back in 2019, the now president of Walmart US, he's told us the same thing. Like the point of sale is where this all happens and how you think about it and adapt to it and bring the right technology partners in like like Tim is describing is absolutely key. I also want to click, I want to go back to what you said about Omnichannel too, Tim, real quick. I I think that word is so funny because I think it is an ugly word, but, and I think people just don't like saying it, but it is the best word out there to describe what it is we're talking about. I think at the end of the day, would, do you agree with that? I'm curious what your take is. You know, I think, I, I mean, I think you're completely right. Um, I, I, I wanted to call the book How to Out Amazon Amazon, but my publisher wouldn't let me on the basis that they said you won't sell any if you call it that. <laughs> because funnily enough, you'll find that the major book retailer in the world won't feature it. So, um, so we it was sort of it wasn't quite the it wasn't quite the preferred it, the preferred solution. But I mean, I think you're you you were saying this earlier on, and indeed, you know, the, 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 completely, I completely agree that the, um, the, the, the center of all knowledge, the, the, the absolute epicenter of retail business is the point of sale system. And what we in effect do is we take that rather clunky adding machine mm-hmm. and through an API, we plug a marketing services platform into it. So all the things that forever everybody has told you you can't do, you can now do. Mm-hmm. And you can do them with a special team over here working on Eagle Eye Air and the marketing services platform. And it doesn't affect the POS people at all, you know? Yeah, which is key, so, which is key. So, so it, it's, it, it's, it, it's a tremendously liberating investment for a business to make because suddenly the answer to many, many more questions becomes yes, rather than usually no, or well, maybe, but you should see our roadmap. Right. You know, right. This is why I love I love when we have operators on the show, and it, it's such a perspective, and and just hearing the thoughts on omnichannel as a word, and 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 the importance of point of sale integrations is key. But but there's another important element from an operator perspective too, which we can't we can't we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it on this show. And I know you and Anne prior to this were talking about Target as an example, but but culture also plays into this. So explain that a little bit and how you've taken to modeling the right culture to implement these types of ideas with the companies you work with, Tim? I believe that unless you are unbelievably differentiated, um, that customer loyalty is, is the best way to run a business. What do I mean Hmm. by being unbelievably dif- dif- differentiated. Yeah. Yeah, say more. If, you, if you're a technology leader and you do something and everybody goes, whoa, I've never seen one of those before, and they want one of those, you don't have to, you don't have to work on customer loyalty. 
if you're very very high fashion mm -hmm. you don't need to work on customer you know so there are if you're very high quality there are things that you can do but there are tiny numbers of businesses that are capable of doing that basically most of us work in a world where we're all selling vanilla motor insurance or health insurance or houses or, you know, you, suits or T-shirts or whatever. Yeah. And somehow or other, you have to find a way to make your motor insurance or your fast food restaurant or your grocer do better than the other guys. My view is that you do that by having more loyal customers. And my whole working life has really been about trying to work out. I think this is actually what marketing is about, is, you know, what, did it, what is it that people like that you can do more of that will make them more loyal? Mm -hmm. And um, so, to, to be frank, the systems and the, you know, are... Are merely enablers of delivering a strategy, and having a, a great loyalty strategy, being a genuinely customer-serving, customer-facing business, is as difficult as it ever has been. It was, you know, it's really hard to say that, to mean it, to make everybody in the business believe it to have the right KPIs, the right measuring, the right monitoring, so that everybody is driving at customer satisfaction, however you describe that. It's, that's a life's work. Before you then even start thinking about, oh, yeah, we then, but, but, but like every other work uh, walk of life today, it has a technological component to it. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't be... A, a good optician if you're not a good technology business you can't be a good baker if you're not a good technology business because in the modern world you need you, you know te technology enables everything so you need to be good at technology applied to whatever it is that you do uh, in this case it's good at technology applied to loyalty but your, your, your point, which I agree with completely, is actually it's the beliefs of the business and the strategy of the business and the values of the business that are really the bedrock of whether what you get your systems to execute is genuine, authentic and valued by customers or looks like a bit of a nice to have. Well, I might as well take it because they're offering it, but it actually doesn't change anything that I believe or feel about this business. Right. That's really fascinating to me too, because like you've got me thinking about, you know, as we as retailers, our customers are only as faithful to us as, as their options, right? And mm -hmm. so as much as we've talked about the tactical impl implications of trying to implement a loyalty system, in reality, what you're saying, if I'm hearing you right, correct, Tim, is that loyalty is as much a report card, if anything. It's more, it's as much a cultural report card in a lot yeah. of ways. Is yeah. that right? I think that's right. The other thing is that, the first piece of loyalty research we did as a business, um, and um, we were talking away about it, and the, the moderator was doing it, and this customer spoke up, and she said, I don't know why you keep asking me about how I show my loyalty to you. Why don't you mm. talk to me about what you are going to do 
that's going to encourage me to be more loyal. And that was like everybody, you know, it's one of those sessions where people are sitting behind a a, a glass a right. glass screen, sort of watching. <laughs> and I think you know everybody. Whoa, that's a good lesson is, for marriage. <laughs> you know that, that. Well, it's a good lesson for life. <laughs> yeah, right. But, you know that was the key point. I think. So I, I, um, I'm a massive fan of Fred Reicheld, um, the BCG guy who talks. He has, he's got two books, The Loyalty Effect and Winning on Purpose. Winning on Purpose is his later book, so it has more up-to-date sort of uh, examples. But his whole thing is if you want to run a really successful business, you need loyal customers, loyal staff, and loyal shareholders. Where Fred and I slightly diverge is I believe absolutely fundamentally that the way that you get loyal customers is by having loyal staff. And the starting point is with, with your staff and creating an environment where they can naturally create value for customers so that customers come with you and stay with you. And, and that actually what you need to obsess about is creating the right environment for staff and that in turn will create the business model, which turns you into a very successful business. Tim, what's what's keeping the retailers from doing this? I mean, this sounds like Chris and I are nodding along with what you're saying. It makes total sense. It supports, you know, all of the, the strategies that we know retailers are putting into effect this year to really develop that deeper relationship with their consumers, to really give them a reason to be loyal. What is it that you're finding retailers are not doing well or what's keeping them from being able to successfully execute on these ideas ever since i've had this job i've said to investors you know one of the reasons why this is a really interesting business because it is because it's a great market mm -hmm. and it's a market that isn't fully penetrated there's a lot of businesses that have got to go got to go on this journey and you know and it, so i've been saying that since say 2017 I go and see them in 2023 and say, remember, I've been saying this is a great market. It <laughs> just got a ton better because of AI. Right. So, you know, it, it, so I, I mean, it's, it is the investment thesis for anybody that is in the loyalty, personalization, that sort of space. I think that these are inherently very valuable businesses. Doesn't answer your question at all why it's taking so long. Well, I, I mean, um, I guess I guess it develops the question a little bit further in, you know, now that you have AI enabling better data collection, better outputs and analysis, do you think that's going to help retailers as they're trying to figure out like, well, we maybe we don't need the resources that we thought we would to deploy these loyalty programs. Now we can leverage AI for some of that, or is that not the case? Well, you've got to get the data. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we you know, always hear, and, we and, always hear and, that. And, and, and whilst whilst people are, sh are shopping in stores anonymously, now you can look, you can get the data. I mean, we all know of businesses who get a huge amount of data, and 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 are able to look at segments and use it to drive pricing and ranging and 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 so you know. Maybe, maybe you can do it. But, you know, one of my favorite stories is, is that a thing that's very popular in the UK is Prosecco, sparkling mm -hmm. champagne. Mm -hmm. 
when when boys go on the beer, girls go on the prosecco. I probably shouldn't say this, and but you know, if you if you want to have ladies want to have a disgraceful night out, they get on the prosecco and they charge around and they do their stuff. And if you look at it from a retail perspective, the prosecco that sells is the prosecco that's on promotion. So what you need to do is you need to be very cool on your promotional program and very cool on your secondary displays and all that and really retail it well. And you'll have a very good Prosecco market share. Within all of that, there is one product that actually has an incredibly loyal customer base, but doesn't do that much volume. And that product is Asti Spumanti. And the reason why is because it's bought, bought by your grand, your grandmother. Mm-hmm. Your grandmother, right. Now, I think that if you don't have customer data, you discontinue Asti's Spumanti. Hmm. Because, okay, look, they're these Love loyal this. customers. They seem to buy this product. Well, yeah, okay, I wonder why that is. Well, I'm not sure. Oh, actually, oh, hang on, it's my grand that's buying it. And it's everybody else's grand. Do we really want to disenfranchise all of our grandmothers? No, like hell we do. Because the truth is, what the same time as you're doing it at sparkling wine, you'll be doing it in canned vegetables and you'll be doing it yep. in canned fruit and you'll be doing it in jam and you'll be doing it, you know. And suddenly what you find is the older consumer is going, this is a terrible store for yep. me. I'm going to go and shop mm-hmm. somewhere else. So... To think that you can get away without having customer data is just wrong. You are preaching to the choir for me, especially. I mean, I can remember battling that conversation in my days as a as a merchandising executive at Target, particularly in grocery. That basically it's a battle of the incremental skew versus the skew that's substitutable, and you needing to know that. And a lot of times, you're right. The decisions are made based on the intuitive judgment of the merchants and the merchants that understand that best are the ones that get it and they see the fruits of the labor and the sales. But when the, when the consultants come in or the people that are more left brain come in and look at the skew counts on the floor, they'll just come in and say, ah, you need to reduce your skews. It's too much cost operationally. This skew doesn't sell as much as this one, get rid of it. And then lo and behold, you're pissing off customers and the grandmothers or the older people that want to buy that type of champagne end up leaving and not coming back. And so it's a key thing. And so we've cut, co- let's get you out of here on this though. We've covered a lot of ground in this discussion. We've talked about point of sale. We've talked about culture. We've talked about incremental skews and understanding the loyalty and how important that is in that conversation. So let's get you out of here th- on this. With all that ground we've covered, how should people start? What is the right approach to start to make hay in this discussion around loyalty going forward, given that AI is now a factor in the equation you need to have a way of capturing the um behavior of a sufficiently large percentage of your customers 65 70 percent probably getting you to 80 85 percent of value that's going through the tills you'll never get a hundred percent although in the us of course you do rather better with if you run a scheme on differential pricing because nobody's daft enough to pay the full price so actually people but the interesting thing about that is you get very high swipe rates but you then don't necessarily get very good use of the resulting data Mm. um you you know in in my world we paid a one percent discount 
for to get that data. And of course, my job, you know, the, the CEO said, okay, we'll do this, but you've got to get the return on the investment. You've got to get the money back. Um, and, uh, and so it was all about working that through. So you've got to have some way of doing it. Now, it can be a point scheme. It can be a personalized offers scheme. It can be a build a cash pot scheme. It can be run continuity offers and we'll collect your data and we'll build it. And it actually isn't a loyalty scheme at all. It's, it's data based upon signing up for promotions. So there's a number of ways of doing it. But you've got to get that data. And then what you've got to do is you've got to start working out what are the offers that will cause you to make a shopping trip? And what are the offers that will cause you to put an extra product in your basket when you do shop? And get the right balance of those depending upon your investment needs for the business, depending upon what customer you're targeting. And... Um, start doing it and what you'll do is you'll find that whoa this is pretty cool this i mean we can get some really really good returns on investment for our promotion investment the issue then becomes whoa but we've got to scale right. because the personalized promotions are the best way of promoting but the trouble is there's a very different thing proving that with a hundred thousand people and doing it to 10 million people or whatever your numbers are. But, you know, mm -hmm. if you're a big business mm -hmm. and it's there where the technology stack comes in to enable that. you to cope with true personalization, but at real scale, that means that you can use that as the driver of performance. And Tim, is that where the impetus was to develop Eagle AI that you all are launching now too, was to be able to do those types of things that retailers couldn't do before? We bought this French business called Untie Knots. And what Untie Knots do is they do continuity challenges. So basically, brands sign up to be part of it. And they match brands to you and then they look at how much you spend on that brand and in the category and what okay. people like use. And they set a stretch over four weeks and then they set incentives along that stretch to try and draw you along it. And in order to be able to do this, they developed machine learning algorithms to do it. We bought the business and I started looking at this. And I was saying, this is really cool. You know? Yeah, it is really cool. And I said to them, how hard is that? Instead of pointing it at a challenge, a continuity promotion, how hard is it to point it at a special offer promotion? Hmm. And they said, well, it's the same algorithms and arguably it's easier. It's a less complicated thing mm -hmm. to calculate that you've got this much propensity to buy this product and this much discount is likely to get you to put it, you know. And so that's what we've been working up in the last six months in order to be able basically to say to people that we've got this tried and trusted set of algorithms, which we can now use your loyalty data and we can help you to build personalized promotion programs out of your loyalty data. So the vision of Eagle AI is to maximize the value that you get from your loyalty card data. Um, and to, and it does it, at scale, and at scale at, for at individual absolute customers. scale. And if you plug it into Eagle Eye Air, 
you generate the promotion, you transmit the promotion, you track its performance, you put it back in. Um, I mean, I would say this, wouldn't I? But it's, I tell you what, it's bloody cool. And, uh, and uh, you know, what we're, what we're trying to do, and we need some early adopters and people who get excited by this and who think, yeah, we'll back these guys, we'll work with these guys, we can build something really clever. I think we can build like a digital cockpit where you can actually wrap around a retailer the key things that they need to set their pricing, promotional, and ranging strategy all out of their loyalty data and all in one place. Well, Tim, this has been one of the most insightful and entertaining conversations that Chris and I have yeah, had in a it. long time. Loved it. Um, I would love for the audience members listening who are interested in being those early adopters that Tim mentioned, um, to be able to find you, you will all be out at NRF here next week. Um, if they're out there, Tim, if they're listening and they want to follow up with you after NRF, how should they get in contact with you? Um, we are at NRF. We're also then at FMI on Marco Island. So oh, cool. if you're not going to NRF, NRF, but you are going to FMI, I'll see you in my shorts and t-shirt. Yeah, um, I'd like to swap there. I'd like to, <laughs> I, I'll go to Marco Island instead of New York in January. Um, it's booth 339 on level one, but come on to our website, eagleeye.com, go on to get in touch and, and we'll, we'll book you in. And That's we'd love fantastic. to see you and we'd love to talk about it. And, you know, the, the, way, the way that we run this business, going back to this customer loyalty point, is we work in partnership with retailers to enable them to execute their strategies. We're an extension of their team. We have certain capabilities that it's very, very difficult for them to build in-house. We bring that to their marketing mission. Yeah, like I said at the outset, it sounds like you take a very cerebral, almost consultative approach to how you work with your retailers in terms of trying to get this off the ground, I imagine, right, Tim? Well, you can call me cerebral. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm, Bloody cerebral, I'm, man. I'm My head's sure. spinning to, from this conversation. Of course to, I'm going to call you to, cerebral. To use a word taken from one of these books back here, I'm not sure it behoves me to call myself that. Probably not. Good, good call. Good call. Thank you so much, Tim. That wraps us up. Thanks to Tim Mason, CEO of Eagle Eye, for sitting down with us today. And as always, on behalf of all of us here at Omnitalk, be careful out there. <laughs>